ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. This is The Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. Here's a phrase I know you are hearing on a daily basis, whether that's on the TV, on your radio, talking to friends at the pub or the cafe. It's housing crisis. Having a stable place to call home used to be the Aussie dream, and these days it feels somewhere between a nightmare and a fantasy for too many Aussies. If you've been out of the renting game for a while, then you may not realise just quite how tough it is at the moment. Rents are sky high. Vacancy rates are rock bottom. For younger people trying to enter that rental market, it can feel like an obstacle course, like they're constantly jumping through hoops to find a place in an ever-shrinking pool of options. While on the opposite side of the age demographic, older Australians, especially women over 55, are fast becoming the face of homelessness and housing insecurity. Even if you do get a rental property, that can be hard to hold on to. It can feel tenuous at best. A frightening number of households in Victoria live under severe rental stress, spending nearly a third of their income on rent, and that's as daily living expenses skyrocket. My name's Nick Healy. I'm filling in for Rochelle this week, coming to you from Shepparton in the Goulburn Valley. And after a couple of years as a homeowner, my move to Shepparton late last year put me back in the rental market. I know firsthand how tough it can feel. It's a very real issue for so many Victorians. Right now, submissions are going into an inquiry into rental and housing affordability in the state, although I don't think we're actually expecting to see that report until mid-November. But nearly every expert will agree that the solution to the housing crisis is going to be a complex one. There is no silver bullet. It needs support and coordination from every level of government, from industry, from social services and more. It will take time. But rental reform comes up regularly as something that could provide a measure of relief right now. Caps on rents, freezes on rent hikes, rental control for some areas, these are all mooted as ways to keep a roof over our heads in the short term. But can they work? How would they work? Are they just kicking the can down the road? Are they a band-aid when what we need is major surgery? This morning, I do want to hear from you. Are you renting? Are you facing a rent hike or worried about one coming? Are you a landlord? Are you coming at this from the opposite end of the equation? Are rent, sorry, rate hikes putting you under mortgage pressure? What would a rental cap or a rental freeze mean for you? Can they help with the current housing crisis? On ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. This is the Conversation Hour. Let's start with that landlord's perspective. I want you to meet Steve. He is a landlord. And Steve, I understand you've actually been under pressure to put up rents on your property. What's happening? Oh, g'day, Nick. Yeah, good to speak with you. Um, yeah, look, I, I hate the term landlord because it it has a certain uh, historical sort of status about it. And so I prefer to refer to what my wife and do as being a, a rental provider. Uh-huh. And, um, yeah, we're, we're really fortunate that we've um, got a rental property. We live and work on Wadawurrung country down here in Geelong. And, um, yeah, we think that anybody that's in a position like us that is able to afford an investment in the rental market is in a very privileged place to be in. And, you know, for us... Um, we want to be a part of providing stable, affordable housing and contribute to people uh, keeping a, a roof over their heads. And we, we entered into this as an investment, you know, make 
bones about that. Mm-hmm. But we're actually inv- advised by our accountants to, to not get sucked into um, the temptation of keeping on putting up the rent. Um, and we had no idea that that was what was going to happen, that we hadn't had a rental property before and we didn't realise that the actual real estate agent would be encouraging us each year to put the rent up 10 or $20 or so and um, our accountant actually said, look, it's actually, first of all, it's potentially you're running a false economy because each time you change the rent, put the rent up, you're potentially at risk of moving a tenant on and then if you move a tenant on, you lose one or, you know, up to one or three weeks rental for that extra $10 and then you have to pay an, another fee to, you know, start a new contract again through the real estate agent. So you might get an extra $500 a year by putting your rent up $10, but if you move a tenant on that $500 a year, it could cost you up to $1,000. So the advice not only sat with our values in terms of wanting to provide stable, affordable accommodation for as a rental provider, but also it made economic sense to say, yeah, look, in the long run, have a good tenant, keep them happy and keep the rent affordable. And I think, you know, in many ways, like I hate to anchor this sort of argument from an economic perspective because I feel like in so many ways we're living in an economy as opposed to being parts of communities as a part of society that has an interest in making sure that people can afford, you know, a basic human right, a human need, and that's stable accommodation. And, yeah, I I acknowledge it's a complex environment. Um, You know, we we were told this year that, look, our rental value is probably sitting $60 under the market and um, the real estate agent were having, you know, also increased pressures so they get a little bit of the icing off the cake when we put the rent up. Um, And so, look, under, you know, great reluctance, we agreed to put the rent up $10 a week this year for the first time in sort of three years. So, Steve, I mean, how much how much pushback do you get from your real estate agent when you say, no, we're not interested in that $60 raise, no, we're happy with where the rent's going? Um, it, it's, um, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're told, look, you know, we're very generous or whatever, but it, it, it's not, a, it's not about that. It's actually about that commitment to providing um, affordable housing. And, there's a sense of reluctance and, you know, they explain all of the things that are going up at our end of the equation and um, we feel like we can wear it in the short term because ideally we'll have this rental property for 20 years and it'll help us, you know, and be part of our superannuation. So it's it's trying to weather the short term, which we feel like we, we can do. We're both um, employed right. so we can... We can weather the costs of increased costs at our end and we'd rather not put the stress on, you know, the young family that's in our, our property. We, we want to make sure that the impacts of, um, you know, what goes on in the broader cost of living aren't by, borne by people that are in this extraordinarily privileged position that we are in, even though so- it's, you know, it, it's a mortgage, but it's, gee, you know. 
So, Steve, from your perspective, it just makes better sense to have a comfortable long-term tenant, even at the cost of a, a little bit of rent per week. Absolutely. I mean, you know, in the grander scheme of things, 500, like I said earlier, like an extra 10 bucks a week, $500 compared to somebody who might actually miss a week's rent because of, you know, their financial pressure on what's the point? Uh, And I can say that from a, like, again, you know, I'm, I'm Mm. I'm coming from a position of privilege. I, I, you know, I still work for a living and, and all of that, but it's a long-term perspective and, and I think we've got to start living with with greater social values than that they've got to at least come up to the, the economic values that we're, we're constantly being driven, um, you know, the, the market economy, the, you know, the economy this, the economy out. I don't want to live in an economy. I want to live in a society. Steve, it's an absolutely fascinating perspective and I'm really glad you got in touch. I find it really interesting that you see landlord as having that negative connotation, rental provider, the preferred term there for Steve. Um, I think there'd be many, many renters wishing that they had a landlord like Steve, to be perfectly honest. Keeping the conversation going regarding real estate and how they take a perspective on what's going on with rental and whether rental caps might work. Gwen Killian is the Chief Executive of the Real Estate Institute Institute of Victoria. Uh, Quentin, an interesting conversation there from Steve saying that he feels it like he's was, getting... And, uh, well, look, you, you made the statement that many uh, tenants would be pleased to have a, a landlord or rental provider like mm-hmm. Steve. Uh, in actual fact, many do. Um, a large, large uh, uh, part of the, the landlord community or the rental provider community across Victoria have for many, many years held rents down, controlled their own rents because of that pure aspect of having a good long-term tenant. They would, pretty much every landlord would much prefer to have a good long-term tenant in their property. Um, I, I'm a landlord in, in the Territory and, and I would much prefer to have tenants in there that, that continue to pay the rent at what pays the bills but uh, doesn't put stress on them and they're there longer term, looking after the property, making it their home. That's the aim. And so this is not about uh, short-term gain. This is, uh, and while I I respect that what um, Steve was saying, that, you know, he doesn't want to live in an economy, at the end of the day, um, it's the economy that helps or, or drives decisions on whether or not you can afford your mortgage, whether or not you can afford to pay the uh, the repairs to the property, um, all of those factors have to come into it. So, simply saying that you don't want that to be part of your decision making, unfortunately, it, it becomes part of your decision making when you become an investor. And I think people understand that, Quentin, but you said that many, many homeowners, landlords, mm. rental providers, they are a bit like Steve, but I'd argue that that's not necessarily true or we wouldn't be facing the high rents, the rental crisis that we are facing right now. And I, I know you've described rental caps as potentially disastrous. Where do you see that issue? Okay, well, well again, I, I come back and I, I take contrary to your uh, 
to to your uh, dismissing the fact that many of the landlords uh, are like-minded with Steve because we know firsthand that they are. Um, absolutely, um, from our members, we know firsthand that they are. But that aside, uh-huh. where, where the rent caps or rent controls uh, will be disastrous, at the moment, we are seeing a departure from the market of, uh, of investors, of landlords. So simple economics tell you that as these people leave the market because of the pressures that they're getting, uh, both in financial terms and in regulatory terms, and this is not uh, something we've made up. We, we are uh, referring to survey data that we have from our members and from sales data that we're seeing that investors are fleeing the market. As they leave the market, that reduces the rental stock. Supply and demand economics simply tell you that as you get less stock and more demand, you will get an increase in pricing. There is more and more pressure coming through on more and more landlords with increased land taxes, with increased council rates, with increased inflationary costs on simple little things like fixing uh, repairs to the property. That there is a certain tipping point in many of their situations where they cannot afford to service the mortgage, they cannot afford to pay the the land rates without recouping some of that cost somewhere. But, I mean, surely we hit a point where if people cannot afford, if there is churn in terms of renters, they're moving on, they're looking for cheaper properties, that's damaging to these homeowners as well. But the cheaper properties, the problem is you, you, you you keep putting it into isolation it's, mm. it's an ecosystem that has to balance between everybody in that ecosystem, which is the renter's needs, uh, the landlord's needs or rental provider's needs, uh, the stock. The, the supply is the key underlying issue here. If renters say you're, say you're talking about churn and that they're continually looking for cheaper rental properties, the problem is that those cheaper rental properties are disappearing because um, many of the rental providers that are holding those are the ones that are being forced out of the market because of their increasing costs. So if they're saying this just doesn't make financial sense for me anymore and they're getting out of the market, it's taking that cheaper, lower-end stock out of the market so they don't exist anymore. That's part of the problem is you can look for the cheaper properties, but if they're disappearing... They're just not there. It's not so much okay, the rents look, are coming up. I know long term we need more housing. I mean, no one's going to argue that. But, you know, short term, we have got situations where people are facing homelessness because they cannot afford the rental properties they've got or cannot find rental properties. Is there a, a short term solution? Because it does feel like tenants and landlords are at loggerheads right now. The, 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 the answer to that, Nick, um, I, wish, I wish I had a silver bullet. Um, to answer that because the reality is that our industry is not it's not about making profits it's not about that's part of the the byproduct of it we want to see everybody with a roof over their head we want to see everybody with the ability to have somewhere safe and comfortable to live that that is our goal Um, and it would be wonderful to have that the simple answer it is not there in one singular magic bullet. Um, there, there are there is the potential for um, uh, converting uh, buildings, perhaps unused commercial buildings, um, in, into some residential. There is the um, uh, the government was talking the other day about 
purchasing homes to make them uh, available to to social welfare uh, recipients maybe not so such a good idea but look it, it, it's we've got to throw all of these things into the mix because you're quite right that more housing which is what we need what we desperately need is a longer term goal you can't just simply go to bunnings tomorrow and buy a, uh, a suburb of houses it, it it just doesn't happen so that that is the longer term goal What's Quentin, we're going to leave it there, unfortunately, but thank you very much. Quentin's Chief Executive of the Real Estate Institute of Victoria. A couple of texts coming in, uh, someone saying, do landlords not do landlords not understand that houses don't disappear when they sell? Investors fleeing means lower housing prices, not less stock. Someone else saying if landlords can't afford investment properties, they can just sell the house. A renter can then buy one of these houses. Obviously a lot more complex than that. On the line, I've got Rob in Geelong. Uh, Rob, you're in the same rental market as Steve from the uh, initial conversation. What's your take on what's happening with the property market around your place? Um, yeah, look, the, the problem I see, I, I've got a, or I had a property in Sydney, which I've just sold. Mm-hmm. Um, my, I had locked in fixed interest rates at about 2.8 until the end of the year. I'm told it's going to go up to at least 8%, which means my interest payments will go from about 60000 to about 140000 a year. Now, I've offered my tenants, long-term tenants, significant discounts of about 150 a week for the last couple of years, but there's no way that I can hold on to the property. And the other concern I had is my accountant said it's very likely that the government will do away with a 50% discount on capital gains. So uh, you're between a rock and a hard place. Um, it will actually drain me totally of my um, assets trying to hold the property and there's no way the property will increase by 140000 a year. And even if it does, I'm going to be subject potentially to 100% capital gains tax now. So, Rob, what are you going to do? What Are you going to, Are you putting the rent up? Well, are you I've selling? Sold. What are you going to do? I've, I've sold. you sold? sold it. It's in the process, so it'll finalise next week. Um, right, you, you just couldn't afford to stay in the, the market well, as a housing provider, landlord, rental provider, yeah, whatever term we're yeah, using. You can't. I mean, how, how can you? If, if you've got to find an extra 80000 a year to pay the banks, <laughs> how, how do you do that? Um, and the, and I understand the tenant's got a finite you know, capacity to pay, even though they've been a great tenant, and luckily they've found somewhere else. But, yeah, I mean, um, I was getting over 1000 a week, but I needed to probably get two and a half thousand a week in the market. That so, is a huge amount of money, Rob. Thanks. I'm really glad you got in touch with that, Rob from Geelong. Uh, I've got a text in here saying, "Why aren't people explain? Why aren't people explaining how landlords are increasing the rent by more than ten dollars a week? We're talking fifty percent or hundreds of dollars per, per week for some rental increases." Katie in West Footscray. Katie, you're a renter. What are you finding the market like at the moment? Oh, look, um, I, I think it's that uncertainty of knowing what's what's around the corner, like mm. how much is the rent going to go up, you know, just all those unknowns. Um, and, yeah, and for us it's um, we've got two young kids and our house is a freezing house. So for me another concern is um, our power bill because I have to run multiple mini heaters throughout the house all day because I'm home with children um, and I can't actively do anything other than that because it's not my home so 
there's that balance, I think, as well. That so, Katie, it just it feels uncertain. Is that what you're saying? Like you just you genuinely don't know if in two weeks you'll be able to afford where you're living right now. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, we're probably, you know, it, I feel like um, from a renter, I feel pretty fortunate. You know, my husband's um, got a job, and you know, we've got yeah. a good income. But but it is that sense it's a one income family, and we're in a very cold home so we know that where um, our bills are going to go up and that will you know we'll have to start asking some questions <laughs> yeah you yep. will i know katie thank you for calling in i really appreciate getting a, a rental perspective and and andrew on the road andrew what did you want to say this morning uh, i've got a couple of things to say one is the uh it, uh, i believe that the uh amount of vacant housing in melbourne is astronomical and there should be, uh, when you go door knocking or walking, there's some suburbs have a huge amount of vacant housing which should be um, encouraged some way to be opened up uh, or to be let out, that's one thing. The other thing is um, we're fortunate, we've got a, a foundation, but uh, we've just renovated a block of flats in inner Melbourne and launch housing have that for affordable and social housing and we have we've got a uh, a 10-year lease at one dollar to launch housing they cover all the costs run the whole thing and we still get if we want it we get capital growth from it and no worries whatsoever in the running or the costs of it and i do think that 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 sort of uh, idea could be taken up by quite a few people, really. And, and that would obviously change the housing market. Andrew, I'm really glad you called in. Thank you. This is The Conversation Hour. On ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. Louise has texted in saying, I have been a landlord, I have been a tenant, and now I am a lucky homeowner. I didn't ever negative gear. We have to change residential ownership from being an investment. Take away incentives for investors. Homes are for people to live in, not to make profits from. And another text saying, until there is a mindset change towards people being able to rent long term in Australia, nothing will change at all. I'm on 1300 777. Text me on 0437 774. 774. I said right at the start that housing insecurity is hurting a wide range of people. And it's maybe too easy to think of a renter as a younger person, a younger couple, someone who hasn't just got around to buying a house yet. That is a long way from the real story. Fiona York is the Executive Officer of the Housing for the Aged Action Group. Fiona, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Talk to me about older renters. Yeah, so we have a service in Victoria that is specifically focused on people aged 50 years and older who are in a housing crisis or who are experiencing homelessness. And every day we have older people calling us because they can't afford the rent. The housing that they're living in is not appropriate for them. It's run down, it's cold, um, it's not accessible. And they've received or they've received an eviction notice because um, the landlord wants to sell or because they can no longer afford the rent and they've fallen into rent arrears. So these numbers are increasing. The census data shows that there's about 160,000 people over 55 that are renting in Victoria right now. Um, and we know that that's, that's been a long-term trend over 10 years. It has increased at least 77% by our um, analysis. So, yeah, it's, it's not just younger people and families. It's a lot of older people as well. 
Fiona, for your clients, the people who are coming to you for support, would a rent freeze, a rent cap, would that be of aid to them? Would it help their situation now? We know that there does need to be some something done for the short term. So there are a lot of people who are living on the pension, living on JobSeeker. Um, the highest proportion of people on JobSeeker are people over 55. And with the cost of rents right now, they just can't afford it. So I think something along the lines of a rent cap is a solution for people. Um, it provides some sort of um, certainty and predictability about how much rents can increase. So they're not getting this bill shock all of a sudden um, that they have to somehow come up with an extra $50 a fortnight to pay the rent. So, yeah, I think rent caps is part of a solution. And given the crisis that we're in, we do need to start thinking about some short-term solutions to the crisis. Obviously, long-term, we need more investment in public and community housing. But in the mm. meantime, we need to be able to support people that are in private rental. Because there is a concern that, say, just a rent freeze is just going to be a problem down the road, whereas a rent cap could be a longer-term solution. Yeah, it's a longer-term solution and it's also happening in places already. So mm. public and community housing already does have rent caps. It's capped at 30% or 25% of a person's income. And in the ACT, they have um, rent caps that, that go can only go up a small amount more than the um, consumer price index. So it's a predictable amount. There's government calculators online that can assist you to work out how much your rent will increase by. So it's not like this hasn't been done before. It's been done overseas successfully. It's not something that we should throw out as a solution or as a potential solution, um, given the state that we're in at the moment. Fiona, thank you so much. Fiona's the Executive Officer of the Housing for the Aged Action Group. Perspective there on older renters who are facing the risk of homelessness and housing insecurity. John in Bayswater. John, what did you want to say this morning? Oh, good morning. Um, thanks for taking my phone call. Uh, the federal government needs to change fiscal policy in regards to uh, the uh, package of uh, negative gearing and also um, the capital gains because we've seen over the recent uh, 10 years or so uh, growth of around 20 to 25% in some areas of property prices. And traditionally, before uh, the mid-80s, property prices were growing in single-digit figures. So that's your inflationary... Um, that's your inflation going through the system as property prices increase. John, it often feels that when we talk about what needs to change, um, each layer of government says, well, it's the other layer of government's responsibility of here. Of course. it's. But if you go back, in, if you look back the longer view term of um, property prices and also um, property uh, new dwellings being built... Um, government was involved in uh, uh, community housing um, and also post-war migration up until the early 1980s when governments across Australia got out of um, property building and uh, left it over to the private market. Uh, now the government provided a, an incentive for people to invest in properties and we've seen the property price uh, grow dramatically in the later part of the uh, 1990s up till now. And uh, if you go to the ABS, you can see lots of charts showing that property price increase. And that leads to a return on investment for the uh, homeowner investor. And if the property goes up by 25% a year, the rent goes up by 25% a year. And that's where people are starting to get squeezed out of um, having a dwelling over their head.
Yeah, John, thanks for calling in. Some long-term changes there that might be needed as well. John in Bayswater. Uh, Olivia is in Camberwell. Olivia, your landlords, tell me what's going on with you. Yeah, so we're actually landlords and tenants, so we're um, ah. seeing this from both sides. Um, but I wanted to point out, so we're renting out our apartment under a housing affordability scheme with a not-for-profit rental provider. And uh, the gap between the what we could charge as market rate and what we're actually charging is actually tax deductible. So um, it makes the whole enterprise viable for us. So we're basically renting it out at a rate to cover costs and crossing our fingers that we see some um, capital gains. And was it important for you to take that tack on on how you were renting out your property? It was. Like we um, moved to a rental because we couldn't afford to buy the size of place we needed with our second baby. And I was very, very uncomfortable about becoming a landlord. And so I thought, you know, we'll try and contribute to the solution rather than the problem. And I'm really glad you called in. Thank you so much. This is The Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. Yet another text saying, Landlord sells up, more stock in the market. Houses lower in price, more people get off the rental highway and into their own home. What's the problem here? If you're texting, I'm on 0437 774 774. Farah Farouk is the Director of Public Policy at the Tenants' Union. Farah, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Rental caps, rental freezes, rental reform. Is that going to help people in Victoria under rental stress right now? Well, you know, we're at the front line of the rental crisis at Tenants Victoria. Each year we get uh, about 10,000 inquiries around, you know, a range of rental issues from renters. And I can tell you they are hurting. You know, we have had, um, you know, renters come to us with uh, rent increases from around $30 a week to over $500 a week. And, you know, the people who, Mm. and these are sort of including share houses. And some of these homes, because of the, um, uh, you know, the astronomic rate of rent rise for their in proportion to income, these homes have had to dissolve and people have had to leave their homes because um, they can't afford rent increases. So in answer to your question, we certainly believe there should be some kind of intervention um, in the market, because the truth is that uh, close to 90% of people who rent rent in the private rental market, and that's uh, you know that, that there are so many variables out there. So, what would that intervention look like? I mean, are we talking about just you know uh, caps on how much rent can be put up, put up within certain time periods, like we've seen? I think working in the ACT. We've got a very pragmatic approach. Um, you know, for, for close to a year, we've been calling for uh, what we call a fairness formula. Something that, uh, so a rent increase uh, to ha- offer more certainty to all the parties involved uh, should have a, a sort of a, a calculation um, and that could be tied to the CPI. We have an example in the ACT that seems to be working well. Um, and, um, it, you know, this fairness formula would be fair to the renter, fair to the landlord. So it's not prohibiting rent increases, but it would, um, you know, in a sense, cap them. And in the ACT, if people want to exceed the uh, prescribed formula, uh, 
they have to go to the rental tribunal to make their case, the landlord. So, you know, we're not saying, um, we're, we're, at Tenants Victoria, we're not calling for a rent freeze, though I note that that's in the policy conversation. Uh, we're call- we have long been calling um, now for uh, a, a modest intervention in the private rental market, just like we see in, you know, areas such as energy. Farrah, would that work? I mean, would not would it work, but do you think both sides of the equation are open to it? Are, are landlords, are property owners interested in this fairness formula? Well, um, these matters are ones for governments to uh, determine um, with obviously uh, consultation and uh, perspectives from all the parties. Um, we think this is fair. And, you know, in a rental crisis um, where, you know, and we all accept, I think, that housing is a human right and um, it is also a determinant of our health and well-being. Didn't we learn that during the pandemic? Um, I hope I think so. That, I thought we did. <laughs> well, I thought we did. And you might recall during the pandemic, um, one of the panaceas um, to prevent COVID was to be at home. A safe, secure, and affordable home. We hope that can be extended to all Victorians. So, um, look, um, I don't think we're being unreasonable because we're, you know, it's, it's a practical and pragmatic approach. Of course, we agree that the, you know, broader solution, of course, is complex, and you know, we need to bring on more supply, more houses, social ho- social housing, um, which is community and uh, public housing, um, as well as. Um, in, you know, investments in affordable housing and in the private rental market more broadly. Um, so I do note, you'll find your your listeners will find this interesting. Um, we currently have the government committing to a range of affordable housing um, uh, for people on sort of certain incomes, etc. And this is not public housing; this is affordable mm-hmm. housing. And um, the rent increases in that area. Um, are capped at 5%. I thought that was very 5%. interesting. 5%? Yes, correct. Farah, so, thanks um, so much for calling in today. We appreciate your insight on that. Farah Farouk is the Director of Public Policy at the Tenants' Union. On the line, Patrick. Patrick, you are a landlord. What got you into this? Uh, yeah, look, essentially I, I bought investment property and I bought it as, as purely a superannuation because I don't have super, or not much. Mm. And I'm looking at um, housing security for my children. So this is one way of the way we look at it. It supplements. We have a very low income uh, ourselves and we don't charge an excessive income on our rental property, but we use that to supplement our own income and we use it as as a future investment via super. What I feel is that the government is now sort of throwing the onus on... um, people that provide housing in the private market when they've, they've, they've dropped the ball in the social housing market. And I think that they are sort of shifting the responsibility onto people like us that really um, need the property because that's the way we've structured our super and we're older now. And, and I think that um, more social housing needs to be provided and, you know, tenants that can afford, you know, look, I bought a property and the interest rates went to 18%. I was forced <laughs> to sell a property. You know, now interest rates are, are creeping up slowly, but, you know, they're nowhere near that rate. So, you know, it's, you know, if people have a singular focus to buy a property, they can achieve it, but they need that singular focus on that to put all their, you know, you know, rents are high, but so 
the affordability of a loan is also probably close to that rental. If the government can help with providing providing some sort of assistance in paying that that mortgage or, or providing a partial loan, that would help, I think, the rental market where people actually just actually own their own home and, you know, actually feel security in where they live, a sense of permanency like we all have with home ownership. Patrick, thank you very much. And I think Patrick echoing so many people saying that when they got into the investment property, it wasn't just because they were desperate to become a landlord. It was about, you know, providing a bit of stability for themselves as well. Jeff, Jeff, you're on the road. Why won't rent freezing work in your opinion? Well, as we heard a little while ago, there was one landlord who had to sell the property, I think he said in Sydney, because he couldn't afford the repayments. Uh, and then he also couldn't see that his tenant could afford to have the rent put up enough to cover the repayments. But then on the other hand, we just had Patrick saying, he's a landlord, he's putting his hand out to get pay, to help pay the loan. They've got tenants who want rent, and we've got landlords who want repayments, like, come on. I think uh, I was a landlord, I, I had a, a, a property, it was a mixed business, had a house and a shop on it. Uh-huh. Um, we never, I think we put the rent up once on that whole place because they were good tenants um, and we were quite happy with the return we were getting so we just left it. I think they were in it for 13 years. I think we had one rent rise in that 13 years and they looked after the place we had no trouble with them. But I've, one thing I've got to, I won't talk to you too long, I really get annoyed with the real estate business, with the advertising that they do saying, you know, your house is now going up this much. This, that, it's, it's a home, it's not a house. If they want to advertise, they're, they're advertising, um, they shouldn't be advertising homes as the prices are going up. It's good yeah. for them because the more they can sell, the prices go up, they get more commission. But it's wrong the way that the house prices keep going up. And yeah, Jeff. It's interesting what you said before about how beneficial it was for you having that person in there for 13 years. And I think more than a few people on the text line saying we need a better culture around that long-term renting in Australia. Peter in Kilmore. Peter, good morning. Yeah, good day, mate. How are you? Why, why do you think a rent freeze is a terrible idea? Well, as the guy just said in Sydney... Um, he didn't go into it as a business, and the renter can't afford the the, the um, all the costs that are going up and up and up. So mm. what's going to happen is these people that do own these homes, and they're not trying to make a million bucks out of it. You know what I mean? It's as the other guy just said just before. He bought it as a long term investment, but. These prices are going up and up and up. Someone's got to pay for it. And if the if the landlord can't afford to pay for it, they're going to sell the bloody house. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I, I, many, I, many people I are saying that if a landlord that. sells a house, that just opens up more housing into the market and lets people have an option to buy. Is it necessarily a bad thing if landlords are selling? It's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. But if the people that are renting haven't got the deposit to buy a house, it's 
not in the here nor there. You know what I mean? Like, is the government going to turn around and say to, to um, Coles and Woolies, uh, we're putting a freeze on the food, you can't put it up. They're going to say, well, hang on, this is a private enterprise. Go out and suck lollies. You know what I mean? Yeah, Peter, thank you. Although I do think many people who are undergoing the cost of living crisis at the moment outside of the rent wouldn't be sad to see a bit of a cap on how much everyday groceries can go up day to day. Uh, Anne in Preston also on the text line. Anne, good morning to you. Hi, good morning. And what did you want to say? I'm disappointed about the property industry and the real estate um, industry uh, talking about the cost to landlords. I was a, um, a, well, not really, I was a landlord in a way because I um, moved interstate for two years and um, then that became permanent. So I rented out my house at uh, $90. And uh, I had the the tenant for 10 years and I was very happy with her. And um, um, I don't see why you do it to make a profit. you know, they're talking about an investment, but it shouldn't be an investment for your super or whatever. It should be giving someone a home. And landlords can... All the costs for landlords are tax deductible. So they get it back. I know they have to outlay it, but it's a tax deductible cost. And the the maintenance isn't provided. Like that lady who said she was freezing, it's really bad that landlords aren't providing heating and cooling it's tax no i know and and thank you because it it is an interesting perspective you know more than a few people getting in touch saying why do we still think of housing as an investment you know housing is supposed to be a right for the individual dr amita jane senior lecturer in finance at deakin university recently authored an article titled rent freezes and rent caps will only worsen not solve australia's rental crisis Amita, that's very, very strong wording. Why won't they work? Why will they make things worse? Um, there's enough evidence around the world showing that uh, rent freezes and caps do not work. Um, the problem we have in Australia is that there's acute shortage of housing. It has just not been the priority of the state or the local governments to provide housing. So, in effect, the population in Australia has increased about 25% between 2001 and 2016, the census years, but the national stock of occupied social housing has shrunk by 2.5%. So, no, I, I understand the, that supply is still an issue, but you know, you're saying that a rent or a rent cap or a rent freeze would make the situation worse. What's the evidence for that? So there's enough evidence around in Germany, in San Francisco, in London, that it encourages black market. Um, that So if even it's happening in the rent bidding, so rent bidding at the moment is banned, but you know that people, land, real estate agents, they're not um, enticing people to bid, but rent bidding is happening. So a similar thing is going to be happening for um, um, uh, rents if their rent freezes because the landlords do have to and you have to note that in Australia a lot of private uh, dwellings for rents are provided by mum and dad investors who've paid their taxes the right way all through their lives and they've probably got one home that they've put on investment for rent so land taxes are increasing rates are increasing so land Rent freezes is only going to increase their costs. Um, it's been trialed in ACT, 
at right, the but, moment. But, but this is my take on it. Yeah. Sorry, Meter, if I'm understanding your article, though, you know, you're talking about encourages black market rent bidding or encourages landlords to pull back on repair and maintenance spending, that, then the only reason that rent caps and rent freezes won't work is that landlords can't be trusted to do the right thing. Is that what you're saying? No, I'm not saying that. There are many laws. Uh, in fact, in Victoria in, in 2021, there are about 100 and 100 something clauses that the landlord have to abide by for rent and cooling. And one of your listener, uh, one of your a uh, person who uh, came on the talkback show said that um, uh, the, the the landlord is not providing heating and cooling. So that's absolutely not done. They've got to abide by certain rules. But what I'm saying is freezing rents is not going to work. It's going to encourage black market and the landlords can go often go in for people without children who are the better market, without pets. All mm. those things can be encouraged. So I, I'm certainly not saying that landlords should not do their bit. There needs to be occupational health and safety regulations met. Heating, cooling um, and hygiene um, needs to be provided in the house. There's absolutely no denying that. Right. Amita, we are going to leave it there, unfortunately. We're just slowly running out of time and I do apologise, but thank you. If you do want to check out Amita's article, it's a very interesting one. Rent freezes and rent caps will only worsen, not solve Australia's rental crisis. Dr Amita Jane from Deakin University. Tim on the line in Mildura. Tim, you ditched your rental. What happened? Yeah, so we were fortunate enough that we're in a position to move out of our house and buy another one and we decided to keep our house and rent it out. The reason we got rid of it is it became too hard as a landlord when it came to renting the property out to know what price to have it at as, as a rental. And if you went too low... The wrong people seem to get into the house and then if it was too high, people would only stay for a short amount of time. There was too many inconsistencies. There's not enough support from the rental agencies. We didn't rent private. We went with what we thought was the most professional option for us and the renters. But in the end, it just became too hard to, to own a rental property. And so you just weren't interested in being in the market anymore. Tim, I'm really glad you called. Thank you. And going to James in Dalesford. James, what did you want to say this morning? I just, I, I've been a landlord many times over the years and mm. every time I've done it, I've made a lot of money selling properties and having 50% discounts on capital gains tax. It's been very good and having negative gearing, it's just all those expenses, uh, tax deductibles. I get frustrated when I hear landlords complaining about how hard it is on them. Yeah, you know, the interest rates they're paying now is a lot less than it was in the past. Interest is tax deductible. The whole thing, I... I I think there should be rent caps. I've always, I never paid a charge more than 5% increase a year. And if I had a good tenant, I wouldn't charge anything, any increase. So I'm sorry, landlords are just grizzly. I, I just don't get it. I. And, and James, did that work for you? Did you have tenants that you had a great relationship with? Were they staying there for a while? Yeah, look, Was it an effective be, strategy? Yeah, look, to be frank, we had the tenants at times that were a challenge. And I think the guy before made a comment about if the rents were too low, we constantly deliberately had them low because we live in a small town and we thought we'd sort of help the market or help people there and I remember we renovated the, that particular property a bit to get a better class of tenant because we were having problems but um, actually the one we got we ended up having to sell the place to get rid of it so you, you do have problems with tenants but the overall thing is is that landlords make a lot of money out of properties um, the, the whole reason for it is not to make money each month, 
that's that's what negative gearing is all about. You're making a loss. The government's helping you with that loss by tax deduction. Where you make the money is when you sell it. And over the last 10 years, property value's gone up by about 100%. So, so yeah. it's just it's just so skewed. In the, and I've been a banker. That's how I started doing all this years ago. I was a banker in Melbourne. I helped people in the 80s buy rental properties. And and it's worked very well for me, but I feel I feel frustrated that that there are so many people that I, I, I think this issue is so big. I rang our local member, who's a Labor person, and said, I think we should bring the Housing Commission back. You know, oh, James. Should, wow. James, unfortunately, we're just butting up against the time here. I do apologise. James in Dalesford, uh, again, with an interesting perspective from a landlord, uh, text in from Simon saying, people keep saying property shouldn't be investments. However, this is the system we have for years. This is what we've been encouraged to do. It's government policy. The tax system is built around it. Now, taking us back to when we're talking about rent caps and what they could mean, Zachary Donny is Delegate for the Renters and Housing Union. Zachary, good morning. Good morning. You have been speaking to people on the front line. You've been speaking to renters. Could a rent cap, could a rent freeze genuinely make a difference to people in rental stress right now? Yeah, there's no question on on that one. Um, having a fixed, um, sorry, having a more stable fixed price of your housing would be really important for people like us who, you know, renting from the, in the private sector. Um, the caller from the housing action for the age group mm. put it quite well, is that it provides a stability. Um, but I think she made an important point that our cap on its own is not like the panacea and it needs to be tied to, I don't know, other measures to increase the utility of the private rental sector as housing. The key thing that's arising from these callers who I've been listening to for the past sort of half hour is that private rentals are designed for making money people, they want to make money month to month or they want to make money on capital gains or whatever. It's just some sort of investment vehicle which helps with your superannuation. So it's only incidentally housing, which is perverse, I think. Really, it should be primarily homes for people and then secondarily the opportunity to make money. So for people living inside these places, uh, we really need to see a ceiling on the amount that rent can cost, a slowdown on the amount that rent is rising. Otherwise, we are going to get further and further into a very bad situation. Zachary, it's been interesting to hear from one or two callers saying that they always saw uh, their ownership of a property that they were renting out as about giving housing. They were the people who put caps on themselves or were deliberately investing in affordable housing and saying that they were doing well out of it as well. It doesn't seem like it's an either or. People can work this way. Yeah, this um, that would be like a, like a model landlord or something like that. Um, it might be interesting to incorporate this idea of a model landlord into a, a regu- into a regulation or into a requirement for renting in the private sector. And that would increase the utility, as I said before, of the private rental sector as housing rather than as investment. Uh, the other models which, um, you know, need to be reinvested in, I think, are public housing, which removes this question of profit the mum and dad investor, my intentions as a landlord, and f- gets the focus back to what it is. This is a home. I live in this house. I can raise a family here. 
here's how I get to work and so on. That's what a home is. Yeah, bring it back to the individual. Zachary, really appreciate you staying on the line there. Thank you, Zachary Donny from He's a delegate with the Renters and Housing Union. They have been, of course, collecting stories to make their own submission regarding affordable, safe and accessible housing. That is all from me today. Uh, join me tomorrow. We're going to be talking about nursing and whether nurses could be the face of primary health care across the state.